Hello, everyone. This is new. Adam set it up all messed up, but my people are already uh, already here wondering, why doesn't Adam know he's live? Well, dudes, hello, everyone. You, you, the, type, <laughs> the title is wrong. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the One Bitcoin Show. That's the, the correct name of the show. Today is October the 27th. 2020 strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin conviction i'm offended by selling you can tell that i i had conviction for this show i set up the wrong url but hey life goes on we'll properly name this in, in a few seconds uh hello my elite friends if you have questions i have answers and so does denver bitcoin here so you can ask us questions about Bitcoin mining. This is going to be a unique beast type of show. So my elite friends, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Denver Bitcoin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's great to be here. I'm glad we connected. Yeah. So a few people familiar with the show or who watched, I guess, over a week ago, uh, found out that I stumbled upon your Twitter feed and I was fascinated. Because it appeared that you were mining Bitcoin in Denver the same way that Steve Barber up in Alberta mines Bitcoin, which uh, is with uh, excess natural gas. And we'll talk about the specifics of that. And I had no idea that anybody was doing it in the United States. And so I was excited because I uh, all these people love the FUD on Bitcoin saying they you know China dominates uh, Bitcoin mining. And so when I see a story about uh, Bitcoin mining in North America, uh, I get excited. So I, I informed everyone and that someone said you should get them on the show. And I said, I will get them on the show. So this is what happens when you're in motion. I contacted Denver Bitcoin. Bam, he's on the show. So Denver Bitcoin, uh, I guess, tell us your story from the beginning. How how did you get into Bitcoin, first of all? Uh, you know, I guess I got kind of a weird story. So. Um... In around uh, November of 2017, I had accepted a job to to go be the director of marketing and sales for this upstream oil and gas software company. And the software that we were selling was a production management and reporting software. So it helps the operators, the producers capture their data volumes, right? So capture all their volumes and report to the state uh, based upon what is going on on site. And, uh, you know, I, I had had no oil and gas experience, right? I, I just was ignorant to the to the industry. So my job was going to start around uh, January of 2018, but I had a couple of months where I wanted to prepare for this this you know new new position I was going to take. So uh, the hired me. They they helped me really dive deep into oil and gas. I started going to trade shows. Started going to uh, the Denver Athletic Club, where they have oil and gas events, um, and all the the big producers and their their reps come, and I just really started to inundate myself with what upstream oil and gas is, uh, how, you know what what happens on site every day. Because in order for me to be able to sell this software product, um, as well as you know demo the the software product, I needed to understand oil and gas. So you know I headed down that road, and at this point, I I heard about Bitcoin a few years before, uh, around 2015. I had a good buddy you know, try to try to tell me to buy, which I foolishly didn't listen to his advice. But, um, you know, so I had kind of an idea of it. But, you know, just like many people, I thought it's likely a scam and just kind of just kind of shrugged it off. Right. So um, once I gotten into that oil and gas position, I started 
you know, getting deeper and deeper into to upstream oil and gas production, meeting with a lot of producers. And one thing I was realizing that that all these producers had a problem and their problem was was uh, flared gas. Right. It was waste gas or or stranded gas. And so I I just kind of initially thought, how is this such a problem? Right? I mean, the oil and gas industry is is been around for a long time. And how is there not an economic solution to solving this, this stranded or waste gas problem? So I started looking into how other people were like, you know, how people had tried in the past, um, what kind of methods uh, are used to either mitigate the gas or try to bring it to market besides a pipeline, of course. And I, you know, I, I realized it's just, it's a huge problem. It's an economic problem because there's, there's just no way to, to bring that gas to market. In a, in a profitable manner, right? You can't you can't store it in a truck. You can't. I mean, people have tried to do like deep salt mine storing where they you know or they liquefy the the natural gas. They they build LNG plants and, and that's really expensive. So you know it's just one of those things where I had this really good understanding of of this problem that existed. And then about I'd say February of 2018, um, I was seeing the news articles about Bitcoin crashing. Uh, I think it was down to like 8,000 bucks or something maybe at the time. Uh, and I was interested to know how the scam worked, right? Because I mean, that's what the the news was. It was, you know, Bitcoin, the bubble popped, everyone got scammed or something like that's that's what I was reading. So I started to try to figure out, hey, how what were the mechanics of this, this Bitcoin thing? And why did people think it might have value? How did people buy in? Was it a pyramid scheme, et cetera? And in order to understand how Bitcoin was a scam in my mind, I needed to understand mining because, you know, how is this thing produced? What the hell is mining? That doesn't make any sense to me. So that was a rabbit hole. I, I went down really hard and um, it, <laughs> I'd say it ended right around when I, I started looking at uh, kind of the thermodynamics of, of computer science and how, you know, you can't, the, the, the easiest uh, execution that a computer, easiest computation a, a computer can, can, execute is a is a hash and there's no way to to execute a hash without at least some kind of energy right some amount of energy can't do it without energy so uh you know these these principles started to kind of i guess concrete and, and solidify in my mind and i realized hey there might be a way to with bitcoin mining there might be a way to to economically bring this gas to market like you know i think maybe you could mine Bitcoin on this wasted gas. And if you can even break even, then these, these oil and gas producers would be ecstatic because they'd be, they'd be able to mitigate their, their volumes, right? Their polluted volumes, if you will, and get the regulators off their back, be able to produce more hydrocarbons and in turn, you know, better allocate all their resources as a business. So I started to, to go down that, right? I just started to dive into, is this possible? So I started looking at, you know, what kind of what kind of conversion from natural gas to electricity is there? What kind of generators are out there? Um, is anybody else talking about this? And I couldn't find anybody talking about it. I, I was on the Internet. I was Googling, you know, mining on flare gas, all this stuff. And um, I, I couldn't find anyone. So I put up some Google alerts to see if, you know, when news articles pop up or something. And somewhere along the line, I found uh, upstream data. So I found Steve Barber's Web page. And I mean, I got to tell you, when <laughs> when I read his Web page, it was like it was almost like a weight was lifted off of me. Right. I, I was I was like, oh, my God, this is this is real. Something somebody is doing this. Somebody else is thinking this way. 
Um, and somebody else has been thinking this way a lot longer than I have, obviously. So at the same time that it, it kind of gave me this relief, it also put this huge pressure on me because I really wanted to get involved. So I shot uh, upstream data an email. I think it was like, you know, like the sales generic email that they had on the website and was just like, hey, I think what you're doing is going to be the future. Any chance we could hop on a phone call or something? I'd just love to talk to you about it. I'm thinking about trying to, to do a similar kind of a process here. And uh, Steve was just emailing me back. He was like, yeah, let's hop on a call. So, you know, we had like a 30 minute call scheduled or something. And I <laughs> I think I, I kept him on the phone for a couple hours. Right? I just wouldn't stop asking him questions, um, wouldn't stop. I mean, I was so excited about it. Right? I was so I was so passionate about this this concept um, because the amount of wasted natural gas just even in North America is astronomical. I mean, this is a problem that see it's seemingly unsolvable, right? So, you know, after after speaking with Steve, that's when I got really serious. I was like, okay, this is real. I want to do this, and that's when I I laid out all the steps to to how I would get there, how I would get involved. Okay. I mean, this is, uh, I I'm so impressed uh, about you being in motion. You came up with this idea on your own and it was already born yeah. in Canada and you, and you yes. found yeah. out about it. So when, when, when did you exactly, when was the day that you started mining it? When did it become a reality? Um, it became a reality like late, later 2019. Okay. Later. Right? 2019. So, yeah. So, so, so you, it took, it took me about a year. So, I mean, because like I said, I, I had I had some, I mean, I wanted to get involved, right? But so this is the thing. When when you look at this problem, there are, there are people involved, right? There's the operator, the, the energy producer. Then you have somebody like a Steve Barber or an Upstream Data that that would be able to provide and build infrastructure and has the means and the, and the know-how to, to bring this gas to market economically. But it's extremely capital intensive, right? I mean, Generator gensets are not cheap. Um, as people know, ASICs aren't cheap. Uh, and there's a lot of other things that go into it. So, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, somebody has to provide a lot of capital to this process. So, um, you know, I thought, hey, there's no reason for me. I mean, I initially started to look at like, hey, how, you know, could I have somebody build me an engine? I was calling people uh, here in the United States, you know, these, these companies that, that, uh, build generators and most of them are like standby generators for people's houses and stuff. So, and then I started looking at some, some companies that are service companies for oil and gas and seeing if they, you know, would, would be able to, to provide me a, a gen set, a generator that made sense and could run continuously, those kinds of things. So, you know, looking at all that, I mean, once I found Steve, I just was like, well, that's fucking stupid for me to go try to overcome that barrier. This guy has, has already has incredible know-how has, you know, I think at that point he had maybe 18 months or something of of fiddling around with this idea, at least personally. And then he was slowly becoming, you know, an established, uh, I guess, it's almost like an oil field service company. Um, and I was like, OK, so it makes sense for me to just have Steve build me stuff because Steve is the best in the world right now, in my opinion. <laughs> he's the only guy in the world that I knew of at the time. And I was like, OK, this, he, he knows exactly what he's doing. I, I can definitely, you know, have him build me what I want. And, and he's, he's really easy to work with. So, um, so I, but so I can, I don't have the infrastructure necessarily. I'm not building the, the gen set and I didn't have natural gas. So what I thought I could do is I, I could provide capital, 
right? I could provide capital to this process. I could bring the capital as a third party. I could, I could um, help this oil and gas producer solve their problem without, and then they don't have to pull any money out of pocket and take any risk with buying these, these engines and computers. And, you know, they don't have to bet on Bitcoin. Um, and again, this is 2018. You got to remember the price is crashing. The thing's a scam. It's all fucking over. So, you know, oil and gas producers aren't real keen on spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy these fucking computers that might be obsolete in a month. So, um, you know, that mitigates a lot of the risk in the, in the kind of the agreement. So that was when I realized, okay, I think I could do that. And I realized one, I'm not making enough money, uh, at my job. So <laughs> I immediately went and found another job that would pay me more. And cause I, I needed to, to build up enough capital to be able to, to, you know, take part in this venture. Uh, and then once I found another job to make some more money, I, I mean, I lived so incredibly frugally, saved every cent, every cent and bought a lot of Bitcoin. Then I used my Bitcoin as collateral to, to leverage equity in the company that we started and called Steve and said, Hey, you want to build me some stuff? And he said, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, I mean, maybe it seems simple that way. And this is over the course of, of months, right? And a, a ton of conversations, a ton of phone calls and emails. Uh, you know, I changed my mind a hundred different times. And I realized at the end of the day that it makes most sense for the oil and gas producers to actually be the ones invested in this process, right? But but at the time, they, they didn't want anything to do with it. And I wanted to help push this forward. I wanted to help upstream data grow. Um, I was happy to give to give Steve, you know, write him big checks and and take risk um, alongside him in a way, right. By, by entering this space. And I mean, even if, even if I thought it wasn't going to be profitable, I probably would have done it because I was just, I was so, I I was so compelled to, to try. Uh, So you've been doing this for a year now. So uh, (laughs) first of all, you have set a blueprint in motion for other people follow for other people to replicate. I mean, you did the, all the hard work here to, to set up, uh, you know, how to well, open up. Steve, Steve did the hard work. Oh, no, Steve what? did the hard work. But you did the next, the next level. How, how do you get, how do you set, he was the originator. Then you Definitely. created a, a, a blueprint on how people can replicate what he, he's doing uh, up there in the United States. So, I mean, first of all, it's weird. Have you gotten any media inquiries about this? Because this is a big story. No. This is uh... well, no, man. I'm nobody. I mean, media, media should go to media should call Steve, right? Because I mean, he, like I say, like you know, they they probably do. Um, you know, I I think you know, I I was I was I'm like a third party in the in kind of the mix, right? And it's not something that um, you know, uh, I don't think upstream data would, would even provide, you know, third parties coming. Maybe they do. I, I don't really know, you know, what Steve's at. I know he works with producers pretty much directly, but again, you know, I think people underestimate the, how capital intensive it is, you know, even just the, even just a hundred MCF a day of gas, right. Uh, which isn't a whole lot of, of gas to be flared is maybe what a quarter of a million dollar investment or something to, to be able to consume just a hundred MCF a day. And so, you know, you have these wells that are flaring, quadruple, you know, 10 times that, then it's, it's like, well, somebody has got to bring millions of dollars to the table, even if we want to try to start solving this problem. So who, who wants to bring the money? Um, and is it going to be the producers? Is a bank going to finance it? Right. There's, there's all these things that come into play. So, uh, is I was bank, lucky enough that, yeah. Is a bank going to finance this one day? Do you think? Absolutely. Okay. I think they're already talking about, it. I mean, I guarantee you, I mean, I'm already, I already have talked to some people, um, there's banks that are going to be financing. I'm talking massive turbine engines, like 20 megawatt engines. 
that that are powered by natural gas. You know, engines you could power a town with. Um, I I I know that's for a fact it's going to be happening. Pound that like button, people. You're getting insider information. Denver Bitcoin is linked to below. Just showing everybody this beautiful shirt here. You can get shirts like this linked to below, of course. <laughs> All right, sorry, I, I kind of interrupted you there because I wanted to know. Uh, it, you know, when, when people bring up banks, they say they're so evil toward Bitcoin, but uh, they might be financing some uh, Bitcoin related businesses here. So I, 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 did I, was there something else you wanted to say before I, I interrupted you there? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'd say, I'd say banks, banks are, will finance anything they can get a return on. Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's really the name of their game is they want to return now initially. Yeah. You know, and this isn't even a, this isn't, this is more of an oil and gas play than it is a Bitcoin play, right? I mean, one of the great things about it and the reason that I wanted to get involved is I plan on accumulating Bitcoin as my personal you know, treasury asset, my personal wealth. And this is a way to dollar cost average into Bitcoin at every price over time. And I'm doing it at a discount, right? So even if the price you know, crashes, even if it, if it pumps, I'm buying it every day via this this mining process at a discount. So it's just a way for me to maximize my my long-term exposure to this asset. For me to constantly trade, you know, paper money for for Bitcoin um, through this, you know, kind of complex energy conversion process of, you know, on-site flare gas. So I think I think banks will get involved. I mean, because it just makes sense. I mean, there's there's companies up in North Dakota that are flaring so much gas, they have to shut their wells in at like the, the 18th day of the month because they already re reached the limit of their permit. They're, they're, the amount of volume that they're allowed to flare that month, they already reach it. So they have to shut down and stop pumping, stop bringing in oil, right? So, I mean, that's that's insane. So if you can mitigate this problem for them, if you can help reduce that that flare amount on a daily basis, that can expand out to, to incredible amounts of capital um, freed up for them. And then they can take that and they can go explore and, and, you know, drill for new wells, which is what, you know, exploration and, and oil and gas producers love to do. They love to go uh, drill a new hole and, and strike black gold. So, you know, I think it's just natural, right? It's just an, it's a natural evolution of the industry due to the circumstances at play, due to the incentivization of, of mining, right? Cheapest power wins. And this natural gas is the cheapest power, uh, in, in the world right now, especially I mean, wasted natural gas. You bring up North Dakota specifically there. Have you gotten, so has it been a good year for you, first of all? And has it, uh, have you gotten inquiries from companies like up in North North Dakota that have heard about you that are that are interested in this type of, uh, you bringing your services up to them? Well, let me say this. So, I mean, I, I wanna make sure you have a clear understanding. So again, like, you know, I, I ended up, as a third party bringing capital, I purchased infrastructure and had upstream data build it for me um, and uh, found a producer in North America that that, you know, wants to have their gas conserved, but didn't want to expend the capital to do so. So I kind of got in that that middle area, but I, I spent about half of a year, about half, the second half of 2018, maybe a little bit of 2019 it was cold calling oil and gas companies trying to see, hey, you know, is this something you'd be interested in? I think I, it's possible I could, you know, reduce your flare amount. I could conserve your, your flared gas and at no cost to you, right? I'll, I'll bring the capital. I just need you to allow me to, to have a small footprint on your well site. And, you know, we can come to some kind of an agreement where, 
you know, you'll do your due diligence to keep the well up and running as as often as you can. Um, and, you know, you need some kind of on-site maintenance, right? You need somebody that can go there if if miners go down, if, if hash boards get fried to, to change things out. So, you know, working out those kinds of details uh, I would, would be no problem. But trust me, I mean, initially approaching oil and gas companies, telling them that you're going to solve their their flared gas problem. I mean, they laugh. Like I, I told my bosses this. I was when I was working in oil and gas, and I first kind of had this this epiphanic moment where I I thought, oh my gosh, like this could solve like a massive global problem. I, I went to my bosses and I was like, guys, I think you know all the flared gas that all of our clients are reporting. You know, because I, I mean, I was seeing volumes. I was seeing their 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 actual volumes that they were reporting to the state because I was helping them report them. And I told them this idea and the way I tell people, and I remember it like it was yesterday, they, they open mouth laughed in my face. Like I could see their molars in the back of their mouth. Um, they thought it was such a ludicrous idea coming from such a ludicrous and sophomore person, considering I was in the oil and gas industry for what, four months at the time. So now I happen to be right, but <laughs> But from there, you know, at, at the time, I don't blame them, right? I mean, I was just some nobody that had this off-the-wall idea that sounded absolutely ridiculous to anybody that is legacy oil and gas. So these these cold calls I made to companies saying, hey, I think I can help, you know, mitigate your gas, they they more or less laughed or hung up or said, don't call back, <laughs> right? So so it was it's a tough sell. Now, I think that that tide is changing. I think... Um, you know, they're, they're starting to come around. Uh, the oil price being where it is, a lot of companies have a lot of cash on hand and know where to put it because they don't want to go explore right now. Uh, so I think maybe if I called them today, that would change. Uh, they might already be looking into the solution, right? Yeah, well, I, I got to say, this is truly a golden age that we're living in. You're going, I mean, you you said you, you said yourself you were a nobody, but I mean, you you started something pretty big here. I mean, you've got a legitimate business here. People, people laughed at first. They're not going to be laughing uh, uh, too much longer. Yeah. And, and you're, you're not laughing. I mean, you're, you're mining Bitcoin. You, you've gotten Bitcoin out of this situation, man. Yes. Gotten- yeah, no. Yeah. And we're doing good. I mean, we're, we are doing better than I thought we would be doing at this point. Right. I mean, and again, I was expected, I was almost on the impression like, Hey, you know, if we break even on this investment after five years, uh, great. You know, like I, I just I really wanted to help push this forward because I think it is the future. right? I think there will be a massive shift in the oil and gas industry for this reason. And kind of for the reasons I, I spoke about earlier, where, you know, if you're able to help these producers maximize the amount of hydrocarbons they're producing, help them better allocate their resources, they're going to go out and they're going to put that capital to work, you know, over and over again. So there's this this compounding effect to to the, you know increasing the efficiency at which these these producers uh, operate on a day-to-day basis. And that's something that Steve is amazing at, right? I mean, he's, I think he's more of an oil man maybe than a Bitcoiner um, because he's, he's got such incredible know-how and uh, extensive knowledge in the oil and gas industry. He truly helps producers capture more hydro- hydrocarbons. So, you know, I, I just, I wanted that. I wanted to be a part of that. I, I believed in it. Um, I, you know, I believe in Bitcoin. I think it's a noble cause. I think Bitcoin empowers the individual. That's why I even hang around on Bitcoin Twitter still. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on Twitter if there wasn't Bitcoin, but everyone has, all Bitcoiners have the same core motive and that is to empower the individual because when individuals are empowered, the world's a better place. And, you know, that's something I, I'd like to, to throw a ton of capital at and invest 
my time and energy in because, you know, I believe in it. Yeah. Individualism is the accomplishment. Collectivism is the default. You have accomplished uh, bringing, a, you know, increasing uh, the word of individualism all over the world. And you, you are quite a unique beast individual. I got, I got to say right here. So uh, <laughs> is, and this is the thing. People love to say that Bitcoin is destroying the environment, all this stuff. What you just said is you're making the whole oil industry more efficient. Bitcoin makes these dudes more efficient. They're better able to allocate resources uh, when you throw your technique or Steve's technique, whatever you want to call it, into into the mix. So uh, th this is this is very exciting. Now, do you see uh, a lot of people like to talk about China uh, dominating Bitcoin mining? Although if they look at the statistics, uh, percentage-wise, uh, the Bitcoin mining has uh, worldwide uh, Bitcoin mining. It's not as much of it is in China anymore. Do, do you think uh, what we've been talking about here uh, is going to further shift uh, mining into North America and, and, and away from China? I sure hope so. Right. I mean, you can even look at just recently, you know, with China, the their, you know, wet season kind of uh, came to an end and the miners out there saw a pretty significant increase in their power costs. And at the same time, you're seeing, uh, you know, record high uh, hash rate on the network. So you saw a pretty big dip in uh, the amount of hash rate on the network and a difficulty adjustment is soon to come. But this this process uh, hardens Bitcoin. I mean, it, it, it to to a degree, I think most most probably don't comprehend it. You know, currently and because if you think about it, one there there's there are thousands of oil and gas wells all over the United States, all over Canada that are out in the middle of nowhere, right? A lot of the time stranded in waste gas is a problem because of geography. There's just no infrastructure. It's just not economic to build a pipeline all the way out to the middle of fucking nowhere, unless there's already, sorry about the swearing, but in the middle of nowhere, unless there's already infrastructure in some kind of, you know, cl uh, close proximity. Um, again, they're just going to run numbers. It's going to cost us you know, $70 million to build this pipeline. How long will we, until we make our money back by bringing that gas to market and the ROI, you know, looks like crap compared to mining Bitcoin, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, this, this, this hardens Bitcoin, right? The, the grid could go down and my miners are still running, right? I mean, I'm, I'm still hashing. Um, there's no, there's no central threat. These, these wells are all over the place and pretty much anybody could do this. They don't even need a lot of gas, right? It, what they do need is relatively sweet gas, you know, gas that doesn't have a, a lot of um, other compounds in it, a lot of the, the pentanes and hexanes and, and uh, stuff that, that you would have to filter out before you combust, which would then render the process um, uneconomic. So, you know, <laughs> this, this makes Bitcoin better in every way. And also, you know, North America has an incredible amount of resources. The hydrocarbons in North America are are insane. And uh, to say that I think China will slowly begin to lose its its percentage of, of hash rate dominance. Absolutely. I, I don't I don't see it going any other way. I don't see grid mining lasting all that long uh, just because grid miners have to compete with with me. And my, my power is cheaper than the grid. So the only people that I can't compete with are people laundering money, people that are OK spending a dollar to get 85 cents back. I can't do that. Uh, so other than that, I mean, I can pretty much mine Bitcoin all the way down to, you know, 
a, a price it'll probably never ever get to again. So um, it's natural. This this will naturally be the way in which Bitcoin mining industry evolves because it solves an oil and gas problem. It solves an environmental problem, right? It it consumes waste gas, displaces other energy that's wasted other other places in the world. I mean, how many how many freaking private or how many jet flights for employees to do banks uh, have every day? How many buildings do they have? What's their carbon footprint? Right? We can displace a lot of that energy through consuming energy that's being wasted out in the middle of nowhere. So it's this this kind of counterbalance and shift from from being a a waste of energy to a consumer a consumption of wasted energy. That I mean, it's a three degree. Nobody's getting nobody's getting the short end of the stick in this process. Right. I got to say, we got another guy from Colorado. Titan Boss is in the house. He says hello from Centennial, Colorado. So we got two guys in Colorado. What's up? We also got a uh, a very good question here, uh, Brian. Do you think renewable energy will present more profitable prospects for Bitcoin mining in future? Producers no longer face problem of storing unused energy off grid. Oil and gas is the most renewable energy. It's the, it's the greenest energy source in the world. Okay, so like that's so so. My answer is pretty much no. I think there's applications for Bitcoin mining. I think you know I've I've seen um, with with wind power generation. There's times when uh, the you know. They're at the, the trough of demand. Uh, they have excess energy. And so it might as well bring that energy to market via Bitcoin mining. How economic it is, I'm not, I'm not real uh, privy to the specifics and, and kind of the costs of that. But what I'll say is it won't make sense to do it on any kind of amazing grand scale with renewables until we consume all the gas. And, and Bitcoin is going to have to be about six, seven million dollars a coin for it to be economic for all this gas to get used to mine Bitcoin. So maybe, but not until, not until the gas is used. I don't know why somebody would go there um, for power when, when this, the natural gas solution is better. Plus it's for the most part, it's continuous energy, right? This wouldn't be something that's only kick. These miners wouldn't be just kicking on during times of low demand, you know, on, on an oil and gas site there, it's pretty much continuous gas being wasted that you can consume. So my answer would be maybe um, it might help those those companies that are in the renewable space. Again, allocate their resources better, bring excess energy to market that and, and essentially capture what would be considered consumer surplus because Bitcoin mining is a, a energy consumer market. Um, but I don't I don't think it's going to dominate the way natural gas will. All right. Very, very good question. I'm glad people are paying attention here. This is a, hey man, I'm bringing you Bitcoin mining. I, I don't usually do this, but I do get asked about Bitcoin mining a lot. I got to tell you, people, they just, you know, for me, the simple answer is if you're interested in Bitcoin, buy the darn Bitcoin. Okay. But some people are like, oh, I've heard about this uh, cloud mining and this mine. And obviously, cloud mining is a scam, but uh, they don't know that. <laughs> but what, what I want to, a serious question out of all this. You've been in the Bitcoin mining space for some time. Would you advise anyone to get into it? Or is it just, do you need certain technical? Do you need a lot of money? Is it, what, what kind of advice would, would you give to someone who wants a North 
American who wants to get into the into Bitcoin mining, or would you say just don't get into it at all? I'd say Bitcoin mining is really fucking. It's really hard. It's very <laughs> difficult to be profitable uh, mining Bitcoin because you know this is it's a highly competitive game. There's there's two variables that are unpredictable, and that's the hash rate that's going to be on the network and uh, the price of Bitcoin. Right. Good news is the other kind of you know parts of it are, are constant. Things like the the block reward that can all be anticipated, and you can project out. Uh, you know, years and, and get a pretty good idea of where you'll be at. But what you don't know is how many people get involved. And what I see currently is the opportunity cost of investing in all the infrastructure to as a, as a play just to accumulate a lot of Bitcoin, right? As just as like a Bitcoiner, you want to try to get the most amount of Bitcoin. I don't think mining makes the most sense right now. I mean, buying it on the open market, it never looks so good if you take a look at what uh, mining profitability is currently. As price, you know, appreciates that that equation changes, but it's tough. Now that's why I think it's going to make the most sense for oil and gas producers because it's not a it's not a Bitcoin play to them, right? It's a, it's a it's an oil and gas play, right? They have this this problem with their oil and gas production where they have to stop producing oil because they have they're flaring too much gas. You can. They can solve their own problem by doing this. And even if they just break even, you know, earning Bitcoin on that gas, it still improves their their crude oil production and, uh, you know, grows their their entire uh, revenue stream. Right. It grows their ability to produce and and bring in capital. So it makes a lot of sense for them because they don't they don't even care. They don't need to be long term Bitcoin holders. They don't need to understand SHA-256. <laughs> they just need to know that they can combust this gas and get returned a digital token that at the end of the day, it equals as much value as they put into it. Right. So then they can, over, and, and these guys are 50 year, they, they make 50 year decisions anyway. So for them, it makes a whole lot of sense for people that are interested in spending, you know, 50, hundred grand to buying computers and plugging them in some warehouse somewhere. I'd recommend against it just because I don't think, I don't think they're going to last long. Plus, this, this is the part that that's so that's hardly ever talked about. So I, I the way I make business decisions is I always anticipate that everyone's going to screw me. OK, I mean, maybe that's why I'm a Bitcoiner, because I'm skeptical and I I don't trust. I verify. Um, and so. When I thought about, you know, I had talked to a guy up in South Dakota that had a hosting facility that was pretty cheap power. Right. He was offering me a pretty, pretty good deal to, to send up computers there. It, the, the the threats, the external threats that are presented are insane. I mean, everything from regulators waking up one day and seeing that Bitcoin mining is taking too much power in their town and they come shut down the housing unit. What if the Bitcoin price absolutely explodes? Well, the guy that's hosting my miners, he could he could just pick up the phone one day, call me and say, hey, the price just went up. And I'm like, well, we have a contract. He's like, yeah, well, I ripped it up. I'll see you in court. Because he's got other people that would pay him more than what I'm paying to host their miners there now that the Bitcoin price has risen up. So, and I don't trust him. I don't trust him to do good business. But with oil and gas, you're solving the operator's problem. And so they don't want you to go away. They, the regulators won't come in and shut you down because you're conserving uh, emissions. It's those external threats go away, but there are some threats to 
on-site oil and gas because, you know, the well can go down. So you lose your gas temporarily if they need to do a workover. Um, you know, there's there are risks to the oil field. But I found that to be a much more agreeable kind of construct of our, of our uh, position in business than just calling some guy and saying, hey, could you plug my miners in where you live because the power is cheap? <laughs> right. So I, I recommend I, I'd say think really long and hard about it and look at all the money you would need to to part with and then look at just buying Bitcoin and and, and see. uh See how you feel about what happens if the if the price rockets in twelve months. Yeah, I, I love your I love your advice. This is I mean you you really uh, explained it all in depth there. You know all the the pitfalls that, that can occur. And this is what I try to tell people: just do the simple option, buy the darn Bitcoin. You don't need to get into all this uh, complexity. I mean, do you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to, for the uh, to build all this out? And if you've got that much money, just put it in the Bitcoin. Take the simple thing. I say Bitcoin it's is where the- really, it's, <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say, yeah. it's really hard to beat Bitcoin's returns. It's just so hard to beat the returns of buying and holding Bitcoin. I mean, you could, you could look at it a million different ways. And at the end of the day, you know, usually in hindsight, you look back and go, shit, we should have just bought Bitcoin. <laughs> no, I, that, that, that's what I say. All these people that have their, uh, their uh, cryptocurrency hedge funds, they need to manage all these altcoins. <laughs> it, it's just buying Bitcoin beats it. Um, I mean, keep it simple, stupid. Kiss, you know? Well, yeah, plus, <laughs> they're, plus they're rebalancing. So it's like Bitcoin goes up against their altcoins and they, they rebalance and they buy more of these altcoins. And then when they go down, altcoins go down more than Bitcoin. So then they end up having to reallocate more Bitcoin into altcoins to, to keep their portfolio balanced to the you know allocation percentages that they, they agreed upon in their, their meeting or whatever. And it's it's... I mean, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot, right? Um, I mean, it's it, by the way, it's likely that I shot myself in the foot to some degree. I mean, you got to remember, Bitcoin was down to like six thousand, five thousand dollars when I was when I was about to make this decision. I, when we started mining, Bitcoin was at like fifty eight hundred, um, and that was a fear that that I had. I, I thought, hey, man, we're gonna put all this capital in, buy all this infrastructure, and then what happens if Bitcoin just just skyrockets in like a month, like? <laughs> we wouldn't have earned very much by this point yet. So, so we did a couple of things with our, with our business that uh, I thought was, was, you know, hindsight has, has been, has proven to be a smart decision. And one was we allocated cash uh, when we, when I initially raised capital, I wanted to have enough cash on hand to pay for any and all uh, monthly costs or, you know, even unanticipated costs for about 18 months, 18 to 24 months. Right. So that way, and, and to this day, you know, my company, we haven't sold a single set that we've mined. Not one set. So I, all the all the Bitcoin I mine is six thousand dollars. I still have, right? I mean, I look like a genius because of it. But you know, at the time, I could have sold it to help pay for any costs. But I was like, no, no, we we this was part of our plan. And then right when we started, we also took just a chunk of cash and just bought Bitcoin. I I, I dollar cost averaged it about over a week. Um, I think we got you know a pretty good price. Uh, we're under certainly under ten thousand dollars, under seven even. And so that way it was like, hey, if Bitcoin goes crazy next month. We don't lose out on that on that ride. So, you know, I, I thought a lot about that opportunity cost and I wanted to try to mitigate. And I think we did a pretty good job. But I in, in three years, if I look back, it might have just been better to buy and hold Bitcoin with all the money I spent. I mean, seriously, because it's hard to beat these returns. It's really difficult to beat the returns of buying and holding Bitcoin. Hey, just, I just I give you I give you all the credit in the world for never selling a darn Bitcoin and at the same time having 
having your treasury reserve from the very beginning in Bitcoin. You you did you tried you did try yes. to mitigate risk in a very good way. So guys, big Bitcoin is where the big boys play. Bitcoin mining is where like the big boys who are cutthroat and gamble and I mean it's it, don't go there. You don't need to go there. I I, I got to say, and even the Bitcoin miner is telling us that maybe it, it wasn't the best decision to be a Bitcoin. But it, you, you're doing great things. You're revolutionizing this right. space. You're revolutionizing oil, and you have done well. You and I I, I love you are setting such a great example. You didn't buy a Lambo. You didn't do. You did what I preach here. Just never sell your darn Bitcoin, even though there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> right. I, I mean, there's. I mean, you've got expenses. You've got legitimate expenses here. So I mean. There's much more pressure on you uh, running this business to sell your Bitcoin than like for someone like me who has minimized all expenses. But uh, continue. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Well, yeah. And one really cool thing, too, is, you know, my business partner is my dad. So, you know, he's a boomer uh, and it's so much fun to to be strategizing and talking about this industry with with him because, you know, he comes from just such a different perspective. Uh, he was so skeptical. I mean, just I mean, almost didn't even want to hear about it. But then when I started, I mean, I started just showing up uh, to my to my dad and and pulling up PowerPoint presentations and starting to show him how much wasted gas there is, how many people have tried to economically bring it to market, how this might be the first time it could ever be done, and how this is going to be a energy demand emerging uh, market, right? This this Bitcoin mining thing, and um, ultimately how this just improves everything it touches in the in the oil and gas space for that reason. So he started coming around to that. He started thinking like, well, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, Bitcoin doesn't even need to be the next gold for this to be a legitimate process. But if it is the next gold, this would be a really big opportunity. So then we started looking at risk. We started actually running like, like numbers we planned on investing and um, we decided to take the risk. Now, again, I mean, you say like, you know, I'm, I'm helping to, you know, revolutionize the space. I mean, I, I would kind of almost disagree with you, right? I mean, I'm I'm like a guy that that found somebody who was building a really cool rocket ship, and I asked him if I could like like help him build it. And that guy is Steve. I mean, Steve's really the the pushing this industry. He's he's the the trailblazer, the guy through the wall. I just thought that he was a, a really good person to to uh, you know. Be, be in business with in any regard. I thought that he was he was of the right mind. Uh, certainly was overqualified, and I was happy to to invest capital to help him, uh, you know, have a customer essentially and grow, and then you know help maybe help him move on to whatever next stages he was he was going into. Plus, you know, I could always come back and buy more stuff from Steve, um, right? And and that's that's something that I wanted to. I wanted that option, right? I wanted to be involved so bad because I just believed in this process. And I was a little spiteful that my bosses laughed at me and I wanted to show them how wrong they were. And they were, um, they came around, you know, I met, I met with one of my bosses and he, he was actually, he actually said the words, you are ahead of the curve. And I, that was, that was good to hear. Um, plus then he went and read the Bitcoin standard. So, and he's 65 years old. Dude, you're, you're very modest here. I mean, you're like, uh, I mean, 
Paul, in the time of Jesus, he was spreading all that Jesus stuff around. You're like the Bitcoin Paul or something. You're, you're, and, and I guess uh, Barbara oh. is Jesus in this uh, situation. I'm no, I'm, no, I'm no Christian here. I'm Jewish, but I'm just trying to make some comparisons people can understand here. You're you're, you're spreading the word. You're, you're, Paul did a lot for Jesus. He he did. A, he, I mean, there would be no Christianity today. So, okay. Okay. So there's some uh, correct me. New Testament people correct me if I'm wrong here. All right. Now, <laughs> I mean, and now, so we talked before, we got a question here, but I want to go back to the uh, to altcoin portfolios and whatnot. Of course, my, my crypto portfolio is just Bitcoin. All right. But is your crypto Bitcoin portfolio just Bitcoin? Have you mined Litecoin or anything else? Or have oh. you thought about that at all? No. No, but I've I've flipped I've flipped a bunch of miners. I mean, I've flipped a bunch of ant miner L threes. I never plugged them in, other than to test that they weren't broken. Um, but I don't see why you would use energy to to for anything other than Bitcoin. I mean, energy is the only currency in the universe. Okay, that's just a fact. Um, that's why gold is valuable because it takes a lot of energy to to find it because it's scarce, um, and it's it's you know you can't just create it so it's to, to spend that mining litecoin uh <laughs> no i just it just it didn't cross my mind because i mean plus there's a lot more risk with that right it, i mean the, the i i wouldn't trust the, i don't trust the proto nearly as much it's not nearly as defensible sha 256 is a much better um, algorithm I, yeah so no um is bitcoin my only the only thing i hold yes uh but <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that like, I don't, I don't blame people. I don't, I don't, I don't hate them or something for, for, you know, holding some altcoin. Uh, I think, especially if I had like, if I had like $50 million that I wanted to invest in this space, I mean, I probably would allocate a, a certain percentage to these, these other coins just because it would be foolish probably not to. Um, now, the more I know about Bitcoin, I think it's probably foolish too to do that. But I can see why they would do that. The people that pissed me off are the people that you know try to come and say that you know Dash is better than Bitcoin or it does what Bitcoin does better. That then I'm like, dude, I got no time for you. But I don't necessarily condemn people for speculation. I don't partake in it myself because I don't know why I would hold it. Uh, I just it doesn't make sense to me. But there's people. You said if, if some uh, big millionaire came to the space they're used to diversifying for the sake of diversification so they might think there's a risk in only having bitcoin and you, they're not a villain if they they buy you know if they've got that mentality no and i, I like your mentality I, I i agree with you i'm not into destruction here i'm i'm if, if pe people could do what they want to do but they got to understand i'm going to keep on saying bitcoin is the next bitcoin one bitcoin equals one bitcoin value your freaking wealth in bitcoin pound like button so uh, it, it is it is different than all the rest, and if people want to learn the hard way that it's different than all the rest, then then be my guest. But they're not they're not necessarily right, exactly. And I, I mean, I'm happy to call out the, the the people that are gonna again come in and say Bitcoin is you know dial up internet while other coin is you know broadband or some crap. I mean, like that's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I mean, first of all, you don't understand the the, the entire purpose of of this asset. I mean, read the white paper. Right, this is about you know sovereignty over your wealth. And that's the reason that Bitcoin is slower is because it's that that's how you get security um, is, is you, you make it that rigid 
to, to try to reverse a block. Um, it has to be extremely difficult and disincentivized. And, you know, that I, I don't have any time for that conversation because they've already missed the point. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to say you're wrong and, and move on. The guys that want to diversify, I, I, again, I just, I mean, it's your money. And I, I don't, I don't blame you. And, you know, like I said, if I had some insane amount of wealth, I, I might do it too, just because it's like, you know, who knows? I mean, it's like, I, I'm going to make so much more money on Bitcoin appreciating anyway. If I allocate this tiny percentage into these coins and they, and they lose, I'm still, you know, way green. Like I could see that argument and I don't, I don't vilify or condemn those people. I, I just think they're wrong. I, I do want to point out that most of the people that uh, inquire about altcoins, uh, they are very far from being rich. And <laughs> so they're not the ones to be gambling, not at all. But you, well, you're giving you're giving it a scenario where, you know, someone's so rich, yeah, they can gamble or whatever like that. Um, well, right. I, yeah. The nominal returns on Bitcoin are going to outweigh any, you know, if they put if they had put three million into Bitcoin, if they threw a thousand into five different coins or something like that, like, you know what I mean? They're. The, the risk is almost non-existent because a small Bitcoin appreciation already nets them that, that money back. So I, I, don't, I don't condemn it. I just think, you know, that's just where they're coming from. I mean, and, and that's, that's it's their their choice. So let's uh, we, we got some more questions here. First of all, YK says this dude deserves respect and good for you. Wish you much success. <laughs> He does. Thanks, I mean, everyone, everyone should know about you. This is such an entrepreneurial endeavor and uh, someone who's in motion, taking advantage of the golden age, involving another industry, uh, a controversial industry, you know, f fighting back against uh, the, the climate change FUD. I mean, this is a uh, this is a this is good stuff you're bringing to the table. And, well, I, and that's I, and that is that's the biggest point here. OK, this is one of the the, the most horrifying realities I think will come to fruition as Bitcoin becomes impossible to ignore by the mainstream world, right? And, and it becomes impossible to ignore when the price becomes impossible to ignore. Um, and the, the fight that I think is coming from, you know, the, the climate alarmists, the, the oil and gas industry villainizers, I, I don't think we, we have any idea what's coming. Um, I think it's going to be vicious. And I mean, it's it's in the bank's best interest to fund these climate alarmists, right? Uh, so, I mean, there's there's people that will win by Bitcoin losing, and the people that will win by Bitcoin losing are the are people that are powerful. So, I think we have a, a huge uh, war ahead of us, and it's a, it's just a war of trying to communicate the truth. And the truth is, Bitcoin doesn't waste energy; uh, it displaces wasted energy. So, guys like Steve Barber are in my opinion, of the most importance in this space, because he is not only able to so so greatly articulate why the climate alarmists are just simply wrong, um, but he's actually, you know, he's put his blood, sweat and and capital on the line to establish this industry so that he can, you know, when they come when they come screaming that Bitcoin wastes energy, he just points his finger and says, no, it doesn't. I mean, look at this. Um, right. I mean, so. I, I think that's going to be that's going to be a a really tough time, and it's going to. I mean, what it does to price, I don't care because it's. I mean, that's irrelevant to me. What's what's relevant is to to make sure that people actually understand what this is. Be you know the the disinformation will will only grow. It's only going to get more intense, and it's it's important we get our ducks in a row. All right, here here's a question. Uh, 
how big of a gas facility, CFM, do you need to set up a mining operation? What, you don't need is, what is the area footprint? Thanks. Oh, um, well, with some of the stuff Steve designed, I mean, the, the footprint on an oil and gas site is pretty small, right? I mean, I guess depending upon the size of the engine. And the size of the engine depends upon the amount of gas uh, that, that you're consuming. Um, you know, also modularizing this process is, is in the best interest because, you know, if you have 10 smaller engines with little housing units on a well, well, say something happens with that, that well, it goes down, there's, there's a big problem with it and it's not going to produce any, any hydrocarbons for a couple months or even a year or something. There's you know, a big issue. Well, you could just pick your, your infrastructure up and go drop it on another well that's got gas, plumb the flare line and you're back up and running. Uh, so, you know, the, it's not a very big footprint. The amount of gas you need to to create or generate a significant amount of electricity uh, per day isn't that much. I mean, like I said, you know, in order to to consume even, I mean, I say I say the word a hundred MCF. Right? MCF means thousand cubic feet, and a well that is flaring a hundred MCF a day is is not rare. Right? There's a lot of them, and there's there's wells out there that are flaring a lot more than that. Uh, North Dakota is a great example. There's so much gas being flared up there. And in order to consume this gas, it's a a ton of engines or like something like a 20 megawatt turbine engine that, you know, is an insane capital investment. So it doesn't take much gas. You know, there's there's oil and gas operators um, or producers that that inherited a well out in the middle of nowhere that maybe they have two or three from their great grandfather. And it's still burping up just a little bit of gas. And they're getting fined from regulators every month. So they're just not making as much money on their, their royalties. Um, this is something really great for them because, because they're never going to get a pipeline. They just, they don't have enough gas that it will ever make sense for them to get infrastructure in place to bring that gas to market. So this is a method that they can, they can use to just kind of better their, their position, allocate their resources better. And because even though they have a little bit of gas, they can still generate you know, 50, a hundred kilowatts of electricity and you can power a good bit of a good bit of computers with that. Wow, man. I, I, I got to say, this has been a, a quite an experience, a learning experience. You guys aren't going to, I tell you, I bring you the best freaking guest in the space <laughs> and I bring you insider information. This has been a combination of that. Definitely. I, I think more people out there should have you on their shows, should be writing about you. I don't know why they're not. Um, because this is, this is a big deal and you know, you know, you're fighting the, the FUD out there too. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, even- and, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly, I mean, I'm going to be one of the biggest advocates for this that, that you'll meet. Um, you know, am I building that future? Not really, but I certainly, uh, helped finance partly building it and pushing it forward. Right. And I'm, and I'm living it and I'm, and I'm certainly able to articulate it and defend the ideas as to why this is a better world, uh, with, with mining Bitcoin. And so, you know, I think those maybe they're intangible, uh, maybe they're not all that valuable, but they're going to become more valuable as Bitcoin sees greater and more powerful threats. Right. Well, financing is a very important part of the building process. <laughs> That's very, fair. Very, That's fair. very important uh, part of the, the, the whole situation. All right. So yeah. you are you're linked to below. They can check out your Twitter and uh, ask you questions. And I hope you get some uh media inquiries out of this um uh and uh yeah keep keep doing you even said you even threw in the power grid fud you said if the power grid fud the power grids went down which they're not 
I mean, you, you'd still be uh, operational and everything. So, uh, yeah. So, any any conclusionary thoughts uh, before before you go here? Anything? Yeah. I mean, I'll say I'll, I'll give it back to you, man. I think you know. I told you before we we started that um, I went and watched a few of your podcasts just to kind of get a better idea of, of who you were. And man, your your energy is is contagious, uh, and your excitement and and passion is is noticeable. It doesn't go unnoticed. Um, so. You're, you're just as much of an advocate or even more of a proponent in this space than I am. So, so good on you too. And a big, a big tip of the cap. Hey man, everybody is welcome in this space. Everybody plays a role. I'm a marketing guy. I'm a pipe machine guy. I'm a, a you know, creating a content guy and you're a finance guy, a mining guy, an oil guy, fight the FUD guy. Anyone can do something in this space be an artist in this space. I've said it's not just all this is not just for technical gurus. You can come from any any side of the educational world and, and make your mark here. You don't need an education at all. And uh, don't let anyone say no to you. And you definitely didn't let people discourage you when their mouths were uh, no. wide open laughing at you. I mean, you get the last laugh. Bitcoin has the last laugh, everybody. Okay, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to this channel, baby. Pound that like button. We'll be back uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Oh, and we were talking about altcoins before. For all you people who stick around for this long in the show, remember on Thursday, 1.30 Los Angeles time, Charlie Lee of Litecoin is going to be on this show. So there's, <laughs> I, I'll talk about that more, more tomorrow. But Denver Bitcoin, again, thank you very much. And we are...